Hi, Damien Marcus from 100 Not Out here. MP. Yes, Damo. We all know the importance of having a diary, but who wants a boring old day planner? Not me. Enter the journey of me. Ta-da! The incredible eight-month wellness journal designed especially for wellness peeps like you. Yes, Damo, this beautiful eight-month wellness guide is filled with questions, planners, exercises, reflective notes, and more. Endorsed by the Up For A Chat girls and loved the world over, the journey of me is a must-have if you're ready to live your best life for life. To purchase your very own journey of me and receive a free set of inspirational postcards, simply enter the code COUCH at www.wellandnew.com. That's www.w-e-l-l-i-n-e-u-x.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. Now, we don't have the lovely Karen with us this week, but we do have two very, very special guests. We have a gorgeous couple, and we are actually sitting in their lounge after having, well, in their shed, in their shed... (laughs) which is their lounge, in the middle of the WAPs. We've just had an experience walking down to the creek, which was beautiful until two massive leeches landed <laughs> on some... And yes, they fly here. There was snakes, apparently, pythons. There's a goanna the size of a crocodile. Anyway, apparently it's called Paradise. Cindy, explain to us exactly where we are. Well, uh, we came up the Bruce Highway and we turned off the Yumundi, one of the Yumundi roads and we ended up in Iwa and then we took one back road after the next and we ended up at Carlos and Kathy's place. <laughs> so, so welcome, Carlos and Kathy. It is an absolute treat yeah. to have you both here. You both mean a lot to us since we've met you. Dr. Carlos, you especially, um, I've spoken about you a lot on this podcast, as oh, has Cindy. We have, yeah. Um, and a lot of our listeners have been dying to meet you. Okay. Um, so we're very excited for you to explain who you are, where you're from, and your background. And we're very lucky to have your wife one day that I'll marry one day, I'm just <laughs> saying. Um, <laughs> She's put them on the spot again. (laughs) So, Kathy, welcome to you too, sweetheart. But could you both give us a bit of background as to who you are and how you've both come to being here? Okay. Um, I basically was born in Spain and... um, Sorry, could you just repeat that? Yeah. (laughs) The accent. We just quite like the accent. Get used to it, listeners. Um, I'm originally from from Spain and I came to Australia in 99. Um, I graduated uh, in Spain in my medical school in, in at the University of Seville, but never worked there and uh, decided to go to the UK. And um, after the first year in the UK, I I went uh, well. I was working really hard and decided to take six months off and uh, went traveling around the world. Went first to Africa and then. From Africa, I came to Australia, and I went from Sydney all the way from Sydney to Cape Tribulation and loved it. And then I thought, oh, I have to come back here some all the time, maybe just do a year's work. And um, 
yeah, because I really fell in love with the country. So after four years in the UK, I decided to come back for a year here in Australia and did a one and a half years of emergency medicine at the Royal Darwin Hospital. That was my introduction to being a doctor in Australia, <laughs> which it was really, it was very interesting just seeing, um, well, working at the communities and visiting the different communities up in the, in the Northern Territory. Um, and then after that, I came to Brisbane, was going on holiday to Vanuatu, and decided, hmm, I'm just going to check out and see if there are any other jobs around. And I uh, got another year uh, contract at the Mater Hospital in Brisbane. And then after that, I got a locum night at the Nusa Hospital. And then they kept calling me back and so ended up in the Sunshine Coast uh, working in emergency medicine. Then after that, I met uh, one of the local doctors uh, in emergency, and he asked me if I wanted to work in his clinic as a GP and started doing emergency medicine and then general practice. And then a few years later, um, I met my partner, Kathy, <laughs> and uh, she's the one who actually got me into nutritional and environmental medicine through uh, the Western Prize Foundation. Um, Kathy uh, is, she's a nurse and a midwife and a child health nurse. And through one of her patients, she got a DVD of the Western Prize Foundation with Sally Fallon. And uh, she brought it back home and said, oh, you have to have a look at this. And that it made me just basically change the way I was thinking in regards to medical problems. It made a lot of sense to me what what it was missing. And then since then, it's been just um, basically my own personal development to learn more and more and more about nutrition and, and environmental medicine. So, um, yeah, that's now, well, it's been probably like around 10 years yeah. that we got into it. But I have to say, I mean, I've been a doctor now for... This year, it's, it's been my 20th year since I graduated. And I've done, I mean, I've done general medicine, surgery, urology, trauma and orthopedics, ENT, anatomy, emergency medicine. So I've done intensive care. I've rotated through a lot of different specialties. Um, and it's good to have that background, particularly emergency medicine, you get a to see a lot and, and learn a lot. Uh, but in regards to chronic diseases, I think uh, what I'm doing now through the nutrition and, and, and environmental medicine, it's just mind-blowing. Uh, you get really good results and you try to get people basically changing their habits. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> and uh, over twenty eight days. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, nice. it's amazing how people get better, you know, mm -hmm. how but yeah, it's just motivating them and I mean that's something that you do really well. Uh, yeah. um, and then the body heals. So I try to get people yeah, changing their diet and 
changing a few habits and yeah, just get better. So, Kathy, mm. how how did you meeting a doctor? I will add. I will add that, of course, Carlos would be attracted to someone like Kathy who thinks differently in the medical world anyway, but how did you not fall for that accent? I mean, really. <laughs> it was, it was, you were done, weren't you? Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting experience for me because I had put a little, written a little letter to the universe with all these criteria of what I wanted and... And then Carlos came into my life and it was just, I hit the ground running. We haven't stopped, you know, so there's been so much excitement and so much going on in our lives and so much change and growth with, with our professions and how we think and what we do. And yeah, it's been quite a journey. Well, how did you first come across the Western Price enough to then want Carlos to know about it? Um, I think prior to meeting Carlos, I had been doing... Probably just more just conversation with people um, about sugar and things like that. And, and I had seen a naturopath who had said to me, oh, you know, you're, I think you're taking too much sugar in your diet, and which I was. And for all the listeners out there, was when I first came to, come, came to Carlos's house, he... He had some um, Nutella and some um, Quick. In oh, really? <laughs> Nesquik or something like Nesquik that. Nesquik in the in the um, in the cupboard, and I remember looking in his cupboard and going, "Oh, this is really interesting." Some of the things he had, and um, and and I just stumbled. I really did just stumble across the Western Price. I um, was doing a clinic out at Karoi. And um, a mum just dropped in the DVD and said to me, I've just come across this. It's really interesting. I think it'd be really interesting for your practice. And I bought it home and watched it and we were both just gobsmacked. And and I think we just both started to think, my God, what have we been doing all these years mm-hmm. with our practice and, 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 and how we've been... The information that we've been giving people is actually not correct. And it's just gone it's just gone from there. So from the Western Prize, you know, particularly more Carlos than myself, um, I have a 24-7 dictionary with him, so a storytelling book and all his knowledge, and so we're always talking about it. So I think he tends to read the books more than I do. Um but there's just there is actually so much out there you know when you're in the you can just get stuck in a tunnel where you think there's only one way but the 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 body is such a unique system and everybody's individual and you can't go one thing for everybody you've got to really assess that one person and see what's going on and 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 take it from there because you can't just say this diet for X amount of the population or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like so, the food pyramid now tells us. So you're practicing Kuroi, um, child health, and um... so I was just doing a, a clinic out there. So basically, um, my background is 
Um, I'm a Queensland girl through and through. <laughs> I, I, I haven't lived anywhere else. I've travelled um, but not lived anywhere else. And I went straight from school and went into nursing. And when I finished my general training, I did burns and plastics. I did uh, neurosurgery. And then I actually got into paediatrics. And I loved that side of things. And from paediatrics, I went into midwifery. And then I did some rural and remote for a while. I was living out at um, Charters Towers for quite a while. And then I I came to the Sunshine Coast and I basically worked as a midwife for 10 years and then really needed to get out of shift work. And that was when I went into child health. So I've been working as a child health work, um, nurse now for over 10 years. But this year, um, I basically resigned from my job. And I'm just doing some contract work now because I'm just exploring other avenues and, yeah, want to just make a career change and want to get into something else. And I was there was probably a little bit of conflict of interest in my, my work and with what Carlos was doing that I needed to sort of break free and so that I can feel... feel um, yeah, okay to to send people in a different path rather than just the medical the and medical model. Something that I know that you want to do is get young women before they have they get pregnant. Yeah, I've got a real interest in um, um, preconceptual, I would call it um, health. So, you know, just from from our practice, from Carlos being a gen. Um, GP and I've worked in general practice for a little while as well. People arrive to the doctor with that they can't get pregnant. And and I think that we need to be getting people much, much earlier than wanting to fall pregnant and, and start looking at their health and, and everything then and, and get the, the body working much better and functioning much better to then grow this little baby and 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 then that baby comes out you know much healthier and um I'm a a big advocate of of breastfeeding um but it concerns me that that women are out there breastfeeding but what are their diets like what's their health like and and then how is that breast milk that they're giving their babies affecting their babies so I I think there's a a, you know a, a big area in yeah preconceptual mm. health yeah. and you know as far as you know the the diet of the the woman and then the breastfeeding yeah but what's the alternative you know I I know before we even started we've, we've had the most amazing conversation I just want everybody to know that <laughs> we've been here for nearly four hours I think now and the conversation has been riveting and we keep saying we must record we must record <laughs> so it's like um We've got all this information that we've been talking about, and it it is about um, you know we've got babies that are in trouble. You know mm. they can't have mother's milk. They can't have their mother's milk. They they go on elemental feeds. If they don't want to breastfeed, the mother doesn't want to breastfeed, or the diet is not good. What's the alternative? There are, there are no there are no there are nothing. There's nothing good out there. You know, at the end of the day, the 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 breast milk is still the best source. Mm. Um, for the baby but you know then 
I was listening a few weeks ago to a neonatologist in, in the UK and it was fascinating because he started to talk about the gut health of prem babies and and how that their gut health and just what they're giving them and the treatment they're giving them with with antibiotics and different things and, and even just high oxygen concentrations and so on, what effect that's having on the gut and then what effect that has for those babies as they get older with, um, yeah, fighting disease, allergies, autoimmune, their immune system and... And I was, I was just like, wow, you know, I've never heard someone in in that field talking the way he was, and and it was really interesting because, yeah, if we can improve, well, I think if we can improve our gut health and um, our nutrition, just then what we hand over to our children, um, it just it'll set them. I think up for life and I don't know is there the is there the potential the question is is there the potential that this will help those kids to prevent them from getting ADHD autism that's what uh, western western price used to talk about visiting all these traditional cultures how they used to prepare like months in advance eating certain foods before conception because they knew that those certain foods, they were critical for newborns, for healthy new babies. So, um, and But this is not what happened nowadays. I mean, people, they just broke up at the clinic saying, okay, I'm pregnant or, yeah, I cannot get pregnant. But then that is too late. I mean, this is, um, and we've been talking about this quite a bit, people should prepare beforehand, even considering getting pregnant, doing certain things, changing certain habits and and certain foods and make sure that they don't have deficiencies to be able first to conceive, but not only that, just to make sure that that baby is going to be perfect when it's born. Mm. Carlos, can I ask, you both talk a lot about, you know, the breast milk. You both talk about the breast milk important, the, the health of the ba- the mother and, and how important it is that she prepares. But 50% of that baby comes from the male. Oh, the father so, is the same. So the, the, the father the, is this, is, this is where, yeah, um, like Wesson Price used to talk about it. This is. I'm not talking just about the mother. It's the the mother and the father. They knew that they had to eat certain foods. Uh, like what? Um, for instance, uh, I mean, like seaweed. You know, to make sure that there was no iodine deficiency, or like livers to make sure that they had liposoluble vitamins like vitamin A and D. Um, so that baby and and doing it few months in advance, so they didn't have these deficiencies to get that baby basically being born normal. Do you know, it's um, almost sounding like a, um, where's the romance gone here? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but the sad thing, my, my, my thought on this is that it's, we've got such a problem these days that we're having to go back into com- some kind of prescriptive lead-up to what yes. this is about now. Yeah. In days gone by, we would have naturally been eating That's the liver right. and That's naturally right. yeah, eating That's all right. these things. Mm. So... So to me, it's, even though it's sounding very prescriptive and hard work, we have to undo the work of the last 
50, 60, 100 years yeah. of, of so-called evolution, which has actually put us backwards. So, yeah. so there's a couple of people that listen to this show that we know that have been doing preconception care, mm-hmm. that have been eating both of them very well and organic and trying to lessen the stress loads and things like that, and they're still not falling pregnant. Yeah. What would be, first of all, what's the scenario if there's any other foods we need to focus on, stress? Give us the whole rundown on what you think in leading up to this and then carrying it on. Unfortunately, with the modern world, there's a lot of environmental toxins that we're getting. Uh, it's not just the food, but it's uh, a lot of products that we're getting exposed to. In I mean, in the in the water, through our skins. Uh, there's a lot of plastics which are hormone disruptors. So unfortunately, we're all getting exposed to this. And this is my own personal opinion, but I think this is what is causing a lot of trouble in in people not being able to conceive. Um, the plastics, I mean, they are like uh, xenoestrogens, like artificial estrogens. And those estrogens, estrogens, they, they are hormones that are not going to let you conceive. Um, they, they will be blocking the receptors, uh, these artificial estrogens, to your normal cells. And then they won't, you won't be able, the hormones won't be able to do their work. So, Let's talk about one place where these xenoestrogens are that yeah. I'm just learning about and we were actually having a little bit of a conversation yeah. about the teeth. Yeah. So one of the things that they started to do was put a film over teeth yeah. so that you wouldn't get um, holes in your teeth. Yeah. And I've found out now that that film has BPA in it, yeah. which is a hormone disruptor. That's right. And like, I, I, you just like go... What have we done? You know, the it's the same. I mean, it's white feelings are the same. Are white feelings the same? They've got the yeah. BPA in them. Yeah, it depends. I mean, there are certain materials that they might not. So this is so where you, you have to off need for a amalgam mercury poisoning, or are you better going off for BPA. <laughs> to, that's right. <laughs> that's or right. as my dentist does, is she she's removing all my amalgams and putting porcelain in. Yeah. So she's got this amazing machine, and she puts this thing in my mouth, and she figures out once all the amalgams out, she figures out what the shape of my tooth is, and then yeah. she creates this porcelain. Yeah. filling and then it sits into my tooth and I, look I'm sure like she loo- a uses a glue yeah um, it's not a crown it's it's um my grandmother had gold fillings. yes yeah. yeah was that good uh, well gold is one of the best or most biocompatible uh, materials that you can use in your body but basically any dental material that you use is not good it's so, not good so let's that's, like, that, that, that's what you know this whole workup it oh, sorry. this whole workup it 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 may be you know it could be over two years that you're looking at every mm. system in the body you're looking at the teeth you're looking at the gut you're looking at those hormones and, yeah, it, it is really hard to... And everyone is different. And it is I mean, really hard to live that, that life where you're constantly going, oh, I, I 
do I have this in my house or do I eat that food or do I drink what do I drink something out of that bottle or and is your neighbour spraying yeah, Roundup exactly. you know like, or glyphosate but then we all end up with blooming post traumatic stress syndrome <laughs> we can't fall pregnant anyway yeah, we're all so right. stressed so you know it's a it's a yeah it's a it's a a big picture. It, look, it is a big picture. But what I would really love to go into is what happened to you and how it came down to your um, what dentistry you had, had mm-hmm. done. So can we talk about um, some of the things that were happening to you and how you figured out that it, it was actually some dentistry you'd had done that was actually making you sick? Yeah, um, I, I had, I, you know, like we've all... I'm in my 40s now and I've been there as a 20s, 30s where you, you know, your diet probably wasn't the best and you've drank, drunk alcohol and done things like that. And so you would, and I was a shift worker for a very long time. So I was always putting down my health to maybe not looking after myself so well or my shift work. Um, I got out of my shift work. Then there was other stresses. You were studying and, and doing things like that. But there was always just something niggling in me. Um, and when I say something niggling in me, you know, I just have days where I wasn't well. You know, stiffness, aches and pains, so on. Um, and then... Um, yeah, then I had a, a quite a big accident. And so then I spent my time putting everything down to that accident or oh, it must be because of that happened and that this happened um, and then it was just that I um, through Carlos I went we decided to have our um, amalgams removed and he had said to me look I, I've been speaking to this dentist and I think you know it'd be good for you to start there and then I just had um, he did a routine OPG on me which is a, an x-ray of my mouth and found that I had this cavity from um, a wisdom tooth that I had, had taken out in my 20s um, and there was some bone fragment left in. So basically the theory was that this bone fragment was like a foreign body and my body was fighting that foreign body. For 20 years, 15, 20 years. Yeah. And so what happens with that? You guys explained it before about the bacteria build-up and the treating it like a foreign Carlos body. Carlos is probably there. Yeah, basically when um, you remove a tooth, uh, the, periodon- the periodontal ligament, which is the ligament that holds the tooth to the bone, it should actually be removed when you do the extraction. Otherwise, this is left and there could be a lot of bacteria uh, or even be like a foreign body left there inside of your mouth. So your immune system actually is reacting against this. It's like if you get a thorn and you stick it in your arm and then you just leave it there, there's going to be inflammation happening, and it's a chronic inflammation. And if you put that together with bacteria, particularly anaerobic bacteria, which are extremely toxic, they produce very uh, potent toxins, uh, and they get into your bloodstream, that is not going to make you feel good. And it's going to be a sort of chronic stress on your immune system. So unless this is um, removed, this cavitation and, and remains of the periodontal ligament are removed, and basically it needs to be curated, and the bone needs to be left like clean, 
and then uh, suture so no infection gets in. Um, you will end up, if, if this is not done, you just basically have like a little nest of b bacteria and it's a source of chronic infection. Uh, so while you're still fairly young and you can sort of deal with that problem, uh, you might not have uh, or feel too sick, but if you start getting older, your immune system is not in good shape, these cavitations, um, well, they can, they can be a problem. And then you, you start becoming ill. So um, it's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, information about it on the, through the International Academy of Oral uh, Medicine and, to and Toxicology, uh, where they explain the, the science behind it and how, for instance, in the case of CAP, when she had her cavitation uh, cleaned out, uh, swab was taken and sent to to have DNA PCR analyzed, and there were all sort of bacteria, a lot of anaerobics, including Clostridium tetani, uh, in in it. Which is tetanus. tetanus yeah, yeah, which is the the tetanus bacteria, um, and that it can cause. I mean, obviously, the tetanus bacteria produces very potent toxins um, like the tetanus toxin and uh, you could get all sort of symptoms you know like a stiffness or uh, spasms and uh, yeah until you don't deal with this um, yeah you you might not get better but what's interesting about this and, and a lot of the podcasts and why we thought this was so interesting is that all of those symptoms we, because of the information we're starting to learn now about the gut, we tend to go gut first and foremost. And a lot of people are doing GAPS diets, ketogenic diets, paleo diets, dairy-free, wheat-free, elimination free, diets, eliminations, yeah. and all yeah. these different things, and yet still not finding well. they're not getting, getting well. better. Yeah. So that's why it was so fascinating when you said this, because I think oral health is perhaps you wouldn't think that all my bodily symptoms could be coming from a bone fragment, a small amount of bone fragment left mm. in my mouth. But I suppose the mouth is connected to so many other... Well, just, the, the mouth is still part of the gut. Gut, and yeah. Until you don't address your dentistry properly, you, you might not get better. Mm. Uh, some people, they kind of still deal with it, uh, but then some other people, they get so sick that it needs to be addressed. So do most surgeons who remove, or dentists, depending on whether you yeah. go under the um, anaesthetic or otherwise, do most surgeons know... Dental surgeons, you mean? Yeah, dental surgeons, uh, or oral surgeons, because they would be oral surgeons yeah. that would be doing it, wouldn't they? Yeah. Do they know this, or is this just um, in the integrative nutritional, um, you know, out in that space as opposed to the space of medicine? Well, I think some of them might know, some others I don't think they know. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, at the end of the day, most doctors or dentists are trying to do, you know, the best for their own patient. Um, and I think it's a problem that a lot of dentists don't know about it. Um, but I think things are starting to change. It's the same thing with the, mm -hmm. with the gut health. Yeah. There's more and more research done and... It's, it's sort of infiltrating into the more orthodox medicine, which is not. I mean, this is all science. It's not. Mm. And these are people with PhDs doing the 
the studies and, and looking into it. So, um, but I think it's starting to change, but obviously it, t- it takes time. Can yeah. you explain after you had the call it the mouthwash? You went back in there and had the mouthwash. <laughs> um, you, had, you had the curette, the surgery, sutured, tidied up. You had your right hand man right beside you. We all want to know, Carlos, if you'll come with us to yeah. all of our surgeries. Um, he's very cute. Um, Kathy, what happened from there? Because you didn't say it was like the next day you were instantly healed. No, still... and, and, and it wasn't. It wasn't the next day. And it was interesting because um, the dentist that I had been seeing, um, he would he would always comment to me about my colour. So he would say to me that I would sort of have this yellow, sallow sort of colouring about me, which was very subtle. Like I don't, I wouldn't, it wouldn't jump out of you, would it? Um, and if we were, because sometimes we saw this dentist socially and he'd see me over the, you know, if we were out for coffee or out something like that, he would watch me and he'd notice that I'd start fading away. You know, he'd just, yeah, notice in my, you know, stature and whatnot. So after I had the surgery done, he, um, and that was in the chair, he did that. I didn't go under any general anaesthetic, um, he warned me that, you know, he had stirred some things up um, and that I probably wouldn't be so well the next day. Um, of course, I didn't believe him. And um, I was going to work and going to be doing all the things I said I was going to do. And I think I ended up having a week off work. Um, and gradually, I had to um, just let my body heal. I had to be really careful with what I ate and, and what I put into my body and and I had to rest and there was one day where I went out for quite a, a big bike ride and I came home and I didn't feel so good and I had seen him and he said, oh, you know, you, you just, when your body's healing, you, you can't go and do those sorts of things to yourself. You've just got to give things time to heal. But I would say after um, having that, having it done it probably took look I'd say probably two months um and I'm basically those symptoms now they went Mm. you know I still get some stiffness if I um ride the bike too hard if I ride the bike too hard or you know um (laughs) or fall off your mezzanine floor you know or you know I just I still get that from time to time but it wasn't like it was um I'm now sleeping a lot better. Um, people comment to me about my colour, mm. you know, that, that people just say to me, oh, you look really fresh or you look, um, you know, you're just, you're just looking really well. And I have to say from, from my experience, it was all down to that mm. one cavity that I had. It, it, it was a capita, capita, what did you call it? A cavitation. Cavitation. A cavitation. Yeah, cavitation. That yeah, just, yeah. yeah I, Carlos, what, just back to the environmental medicine or the environmental toxin side of things, mm. what other things are you noticing are coming up very big in today? I mean, we know things like phthalates are a massive issue yeah. for a lot of people. We know that there's lots of toxins in things like people are plugging things into their walls. We know that people 
even from an electromagnetic field, yeah, yeah. Um, radiation poisoning yeah. type of thing. Tell us some of the things that you're seeing and, and what do you think people can do to help themselves? Um, well, I think we cannot get paranoid <laughs> either about all these things because otherwise we just get depressed and, <laughs> and then we would like to kill ourselves. Yeah. So uh, I think without getting paranoid, you just have to try to work on the things that you can modify around you. Uh, the human body is pretty resilient, isn't it? It is, it is. Um, but we're getting more and more environmental factors that we might not be able to deal with them. And this is why more people are getting sicker and sicker. And despite of a lot of them addressing like their nutrition, they might not be getting better. But this is like, for instance, with the cavitations or root canals or things like that. They're all like the pieces of the puzzle that you just have to put together. Whether you look into, yeah, nutrition, and that is, I mean, in a way, the easiest one because you can do something about it. You can change that. Uh, but a lot of the things around your environment, you might not be able to change. I mean, if you've got your own house, you, you might not be able to change houses. You know, if you're exposed to certain chemicals on that house or the EMF from that house, the electromagnetic fields of that house. So at the end of the day, you just have to try to to do all, what you can. Um, you could, uh, with a, um, EMF uh, and, for instance, grounding, I think it's something that a lot of people could do something very easily mm-hmm. and it's just walking very fit. Um, on concrete or out in the grass, you know, wet grass or on the beach. Um, You can use certain, uh, like, grounding sheets that you could put on your bed or um, to make sure, I mean, that at the end of the day, what it, it, it creates is like a Faraday cage around you. So it protects you uh, from DCMFs. Um you could make sure that you don't have, you know, a lot of nasty chemical products around your house. And uh, that's another thing that I think a lot of people are over clean in their houses. Mm-hmm. And this is something very artificial. I mean, we've never been like this uh, for thousands and thousands of years. I mean, we're meant to be in theory uh, living, you know, amongst the this, this soil, which is full of bacteria, and be in contact with those, those kind of bacteria. So our immune system is not, is not dealing with this. It's not dealing the same way that we used to deal with these bacteria like for thousands and thousands of years. Is that why people are so sick in hospitals? Well, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, in hospitals, most people that go to hospitals are immunocompromised. And then anything that you find, which are going to be the nastiest bacteria that you could get, they are at the hospital at the same time. So it's not. The, but then we're cleaning. It's not the right with combination. These, with these chemicals to keep everything clean. Yeah, that's right. But at, at the end of the day, it's not about keeping things clean. It's about perfecting or trying to get your immune system up to scratch, so it can actually deal with all these bacteria. I mean, when I hear, for instance, that people. Or I caught golden staff at the hospital or whatever. I mean, golden staff, if you take a swab of your hair or, or your nose, you would grow it 
I mean, probably if you do it my, my nose, you will grow one of the nastiest ones. Because I've been, because I've been in contact nice. with, a lot, with a lot of patients. But um, it's about your immune system. Yeah. <laughs> it's about your immune system being able to deal with this. Why, for instance, some people develop meningitis and some other people they don't when they have, you know, the Neisseria meningitis uh, as a carrier in the nose. Uh, and at the end of the day, it has to be, or, or, well, it has to do with the host. Mm-hmm. If the host immune system is not uh, capable to deal with this bacteria, then you just get sick. Which then brings um, us back to the gut. Yeah, that's right. So why do hospitals not serve broths and, and, <laughs> and things like that if we're aware? That's a very good question. Uh, and particularly if they want their patients to recover quicker, uh, like after surgery, you would think that you want to give really nutritious food to the patients to come out of hospital so they free their beds <laughs> hmm. so some of the patients can get in and it just it doesn't make sense to be feeding people sugary foods and, and basically denaturalized uh, foods to to recover i want to ask a question and we were actually before we um went on to more things we we're actually talking about you know tooth extractions so Kim, do you want to talk about your experience with your tooth extraction and, and what you've found well, that's happened? I was just fascinated when <laughs> Kathy was saying this, that a couple of years ago I had my wisdom teeth, I, I had two wisdom, I had two wisdom teeth, uppers, and and I said to my family, oh, I'm just going to get my wisdom teeth out, I'll be back in an hour and we'll go to Taylor's dance competition in Noosa. <laughs> and Danny's mum looked at me like, right, anyway, so off I went. And I went in and my teeth were obviously, look, it, I was there for nearly an hour and a half. He went into my, and I had, I wasn't put under. And oh my gosh, I had tears rolling down my face. It took him 40, nearly 45 minutes to get one tooth out. And he had his foot, his knee up onto the bed trying to yank it. And my jaw, anyway, he just, he kept apologising and, and whatnot. But he said, geez, I hope the other one's not so bad. Pulled the other one out, which wasn't so bad, but he did say or make the comment that, oh, it's crumbled a little bit, but I think I've got it all. Anyway, it's sterile. You'll be okay. Gave me antibiotics, which I didn't want to take, so I didn't take because I figured that I was healthy. My body could mm-hmm. could do this, and I've always had the belief, particularly around the likes of, of Carlos and Cindy, that, um, that you know the body, if it's healthy, can do mm-hmm. this. So I didn't take it. 10 to 12 days later, my temperature was up. I was feeling really unwell. Went back to the doctor and he just said, for goodness sake, take the antibiotics. Left it another couple of days. In the end, I gave in. I think it was about two and a half weeks later, I took six days' worth of antibiotics. Um, That was fine. Like, I did that. And then I had to have the mental approach that I'd now taken antibiotics then I was seeing the chiropractor. I was also doing all the gut health that I could just yeah. to help my body. But I've noticed about 18 months ago, no, it was, it's two years ago in November is exactly when it was, that my lower back has been really hurting, really hurting. Now, I've been a long-distance runner for years, and I love running. I love exercising. I've hurt myself at the gym. I've put my back out vacuuming before. So it's not like, you know, it's anything unusual. But my back was particularly sore. So 
The beautiful thing about gorgeous Dr. Carlos is I took my whole family. I decided that I was having these niggles. I decided Taylor and Jacob had been on antibiotics at different times. Danny's mother wasn't very well and was a little bit overweight. Danny has a belching issue. So I decided (laughs) that we would all go and see Dr. Carlos. I think all up on all the tests we spent quite a few thousand dollars. But to me, it was an investment to do all these tests. So, and I appreciate not everybody can do this, but I decided it was a priority. Went through the whole family, there was pyroles everywhere, there was all sorts of issues going on, but little enough that we could all handle it. Put my, mine was pretty good. And I didn't think anything more about the back until today. And then, um, <laughs> and then the tooth thing. And so what, what I'd love to ask you, I'm going to go and get the OPG X-ray. But what I'd love to ask you both with your experience and with the beautiful, more holistic, integrative approach to both medicine and nursing and midwifery that you both approach I know we can't answer for everybody, but someone like me sitting here going, oh my gosh, there's a little signal there for me just to go and get it checked out. Mm. Like that's the beauty of education mm. and listening yes. and And just listening to, to what you guys offer with your mm. podcasts. You know, you pick up little things and... It's like puzzle, like what you said, the puzzle. Uh, yeah. And, and Kim's been on this searching ever since... And, you know, if you acquaint it back to that, you've been on this... You know, searching, what's wrong? Why is my back like it is? And you, sh- my husband told her to stop running. Mm. Well, that I, was... I haven't spoken to her husband since. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think the hard thing with being told don't run when it's my form it's of stress, stress release yeah. 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 was kind of hard. But he didn't say don't run. He just said don't run marathons and probably don't run 10Kers and things like that. But, but my question back to you is, okay, so we're, we're all on this quest for the utopia of wellness but at the end of the day we have ups and downs Mm -hmm. and what you said before was really key Carlos we could get paranoid I mean we could all get majorly over the top with all of this give us some of your top um, tips that you would say to people on their own health quest and journeys what are some of the things to look for who are the people you'd recommend seeing and how do we find our own level of utopia I think for, for one of the biggest things for me that I've learned probably through this whole whole journey of um, oh, since we discovered Western Price mm-hmm. and so on is I've really learned to read my body. I, I've learned to really trust what my body tells me. So if, if, if um, Dr. Carlos tells me that I have to eat A, B and C... Do you call him Dr. Carlos in the bedroom? <laughs> I just wanted to check on that. Sorry, sorry, carry on. But if, if C just doesn't agree with me, well, then I start to investigate why and, and, and start to really look at, well, okay, if I didn't have C in my diet, how is this going to affect me? Do I really need it personally? Is there something I need to change? Um, just, yeah, really understanding your body because I think... It's about how you feel. Like, you know, you, you can set the bar too high. That's what I think, you know, and you can think that you can eat a certain food and you're just then going to be able to go and run marathons and so on and so on. But at the end of the day, we all have stresses in our lives, things happen, 
And it's just, yeah, for me, it's really listening to my body and listening to what it's telling me. Helps that you live with Carlos. It does help. <laughs> I'm just saying. And, and from a nurse perspective, can you just imagine the conversations these two have? Um, <laughs> let alone the games they could play. I'm just saying. Anyway, Carlos. <laughs> yeah, doctor and nurse. I have heard that game. I think uh, just simple tips. I think um, try to modify some of your environmental factors and as I said before nutrition and you do this really well Cindy uh, (laughs) you can change those things you can get rid of a lot of poisons that that you're getting through your food Uh, so that's in a way one of the easiest ones stress is another one I mean trying to simplify your life and, you know, people get into the rat race and, and they're going crazy. So trying to simplify things and just think that all the material things that you get in life, you're not going to take them with you when you die. So at the end of the day, what you take with you is your own experiences, the experiences that you have had in life. And if you've been a miserable um, <laughs> <Sorry>. you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't think it, it's something good. So the happier you can try to live, the the better you're going to feel as well. I mean, in particular with your immune system, when this is when people get uh, ill, when they are going through a lot of stress, and then it's just the last drop in the water, in the in the glass, you know, that gets the, the water out. So, um, and then not get paranoid and not try to get into, oh, yeah, I'm always going to feel like 100% because this is not life. Everyone, you know, goes through ups and downs and it's normal sometimes not to feel good. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a mechanism of survival. So we have to feel the downs to be able to feel the ups. Um and yeah, that's, that's about interesting it. Yeah. that you say that. What do you mean the downs? Like it's okay to get a cold. It's it's okay to get. Well, I mean, obviously, from a child or a, a parent, I anyone think, vomiting, it's good thing to be I vomiting. Think, Your I body's think, getting rid of something, right? right? I think it's okay to have a have a day where mm. you might think to yourself, "Oh, I'm feeling a bit tired today," and so it's about listening to your body and going, and "Okay, resting. my body's telling me that." Okay, I think back, oh, yeah, maybe I have been, you know. Just... It's not so much what's wrong with me, is it? It's it... more a, oh, what have I been doing lately that my body's whispering or... Yeah, not giving me those me. little messages yeah. and... Well, the other thing that um, I'm noticing is that sometimes I'll just be tired or not thinking as as well as I could be thinking and just not feeling on top of it and... I'll wonder, what have I done? What have I eaten? What's creating it? Then I'll find out a couple of days later that the whole of a school is down because of some virus. And I often wonder, am I getting that virus? And that's my level of symptoms that I get with that virus. And I think people have to be aware that that sometimes you don't, just because you get a virus, like I know that I have had um, malaria. Not because I've had the symptoms, but because I've been told in a blood test, well, you've got, I was told I had the antibody to malaria. Yeah. I've never had the symptoms. Yeah. And I remember having a blood test saying well, um, that I'd been uh, vaccinated against rubella. Well, I wasn't vaccinated against rubella. 
And my mother doesn't remember me getting rubella, but I had the antibodies to rubella, so I must have been able, I must have had it. So my thoughts are is that sometimes we don't know what Ill, what we're getting and what yeah. our body is priming itself for or against it so that we can be better the next time. And I, I think... I'm starting to do that now, is that I start to go, well, it's not about what I ate or what anything like that because I eat really well and I do the best mm. I can. Maybe I'm, I've got a virus or a bacteria or I don't know what, a parasite that's sitting in there. That, a leech. A leech <laughs> <laughs> that's doing it. Um, but apart from me saying that, I want all of our listeners to know that you two live what you are talking about. Yeah. To come to your home and to see how shed... Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. To see how you guys live, it's just it's just the most beautiful thing to I see. I just went to the loo with yeah. a view. With the view, with the big, <laughs> the best view. The best view. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, interesting. It's a composting toilet. I, I think. Yeah. I can, do you mind if we talk about no, how no, you guys no, do things? Okay. Yeah. So they have a composting toilet that um, creates banana trees, tomato plants. Unbelievable I things. I quite a few tomatoes. <laughs> Recycled. <laughs> and they told me where they'd grown them. No. You live on 50 pristine acres with a beautiful creek through it and rainforests and native bushes and you've planted trees that will produce food for you. You do live in a shed um, with, a, with a beautiful um, mezzanine. mezzanine floor but I just, it's eclectic. It's, uh, you know, it's not, it's the most amazing place to be in. Feels amazing. And then I think we should plug your, your B&B, your Airbnb. <laughs> so they have this Airbnb. Now be, pre- be prepared. You cannot drive to it. <laughs> you may need a gator um, or a four-wheeler or of some sort. But it, we went down there and, um, like, it was a haven. If if you love, if you want to get away from it, and you want a creek running in front think of you, think more Bear Grylls <laughs> than you would think Karen more Smith. Karen Smith. Yes, right? exactly. no, this is nowhere near Karen Smith territory. <laughs> Just warning you. And Kathy has had a few people turn up and go. OMG. Um, so just know, it's more a, it is a nature experience. It is a nature yeah. experience. Explain to us what your thoughts were around this. Um, well, as you know, Carlos would have explained to you, we just wanted the opportunity to be able to go down to our creek from time to time and he was going to build a small deck. <laughs> to... Thank God she's not a Kiwi. With a roof. <laughs> yes. yes. With a, a nice roof. hard deck. <laughs> With a roof to, to put a tent and, and it just evolved from there. We... The, the, de- the deck was too big, so we ended up just... Trust you, Carlos. It's, it's, it's like a little mountain hut. Yeah, it is. It is. With fancy, a mezzanine. More yeah. a, a fancy mountain hut. But, you know, it's, it's, it's Cindy's very right. We, we do try to, to walk the talk. We, mm, and, and that's what's really... And important. I don't even... Here's a, here's a pick-up. I don't even think you try. <laughs> you just you just live it. It's yeah. not like you try to live it. You don't try to live this way. No, you actually just... embrace what it means mm. to live this lifestyle, and that's what I love. And and as a doctor, Carlos, mm. um, for so, and if I was having a baby, I would so want you oh, as my yes. midwife and a doula. I love the whole philosophy around doulas yeah. and things like that. 
but I also, Carlos, to, to come to you, to have my mother-in-law, who is such a beautiful, we've had her on the podcast, she's a beautiful soul, but also has been brought up with the realm in a way that doctors, you know, they're knowledgeable. It's not like she's not an intelligent woman, but she's believed doctors to be on statin drugs and to be on blood pressure tablets. You have turned her life around. You have had her see things in a way that she never never really understood but the way you explain it just want to know when your book's coming out yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe at some time i i think um because in a way i'm a foreigner and, and english is not my first language i think i explain things very simply uh in very simple ways and it's uh, it's quite amazing that a lot of patients, they come to me and they say, well, they've never, anyone, no doctor has ever explained this to me like that. Um, but I think it has to do mainly with my, um, yeah, just being that English is not my first language. Uh, so I explain things very simply. I have another question for you. How did you morph from being a traditionally educated doctor to the way you now practice medicine. So was that hard? Was that a hard transition or was it a slow transition habit at a time or a thing, you know? I think uh, it's been a slow transition and, uh, I mean, I still doing to integrative medicine where you get the best of both worlds yeah. uh, and this is where you give options to your patients and said well if you are going to do the hard work and you're going to change your habits this is a path that you can take but if you're not going to do those changes then you might as well continue you know with all your medications and things so I have, I have to say I have learned a lot from my patients, just listening to them. Uh, and then me trying things that, well, I've been told, yeah, this is what you should do with your patients, trying it out. Then if you don't see the results, then you start doubting about those things. Then you read about something else and then you try it with your patients and then you see, you know, the benefits and the changes that, that has with your patients and then uh, it's just with my clinical experience what it has made me change um, what I do. So it's been, I mean, it's been now like around 10 years since I started making little changes first with diet and then looking into uh, deficiencies of vitamins, minerals and doing a lot more training, looking into gut, gut health um, being able to do training like with Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride mm. and go to uh, Western Prize Foundation um, uh, conferences and hang out with Cindy and yeah, Kim that's and right. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it is true what you've learned. You've, you've had some fascinating patients who mm. have put you on to some things that have been yeah. really interesting. And Carlos had a a, a really um, beautiful patient in Spain when we were there recently who's unfortunately got got quite a nasty um, cancer 
But she's written two books and she gave Carlos these two books and they're all on evolution and philosophy and yeah and it's it's just fascinating like the books are in Spanish so obviously he's been reading them and telling me about them but she's been an amazing woman and and, and it's just yeah and I presume Cindy and Kim that you would meet really fascinating people Mm. as well and it's yeah I think it's a privilege Mm. Do you know one thing I remember you saying when we came into your practice one day because my children believed that they should have Colgate toothpaste and um, and I've been trying to get them off it and you turned around and told Jacob about his moles and the sugar and, and all of these things and then what's in the toothpaste and what's about it and my kids have never touched it since. So, you know, sometimes we need these outside influences but you say it in such a beautiful way. The other thing that I remember turning around to you that day, though, and saying to you is, God, how frustrated are you to have had to have learned all that stuff through medicine and medical school to think this way? And Carlos turned around and said, no, it's been great because it allows me to understand both sides. Mm. And I thought that was such a beautiful way for all of us to embrace. So not making mistakes for things we've made in the past or maybe things we haven't done as well as we could, but looking at it as a part of the process in order to understand having the lows, to understand the highs and vice versa. And I think what you've both taught me a lot is that it's all okay. Do the best that you can. One of the things that Marcus Pierce, one of our fellow podcasters, talks about from a longevity point of view is that all the research he's done into what causes people to become or helps people to become centurions is on a pyramid, if you look at it, the number one thing that a lot of people are all talking about these days say it's nutrition. Um, and what I found fascinating with what all of his... The, the number four was nutrition. Before that was social interaction, yeah. life purpose yeah. and movement. Yeah. And I thought when you were saying before about all the different things, like nutrition is definitely a part of it. What's your thoughts around that social integration, life purpose and movement? Well, it's what I was uh, talking about before, about trying to simplify things and uh, try to live as happily as possible. This is where, you know, your family, your friends, your partner, all, all around you plays a, a big role. If you're an unhappy person, you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing. And I think everyone knows when you do things wrong or when you do things right. Uh, If you're doing things or wrong things all the time, you're not going to be a happy person. You're not going to be a good person. That is going to eat yourself. If you know or you're trying to do your best and you, you're trying to be a good person and you've got good friends and good family, um, you're going to be a much happier person and that is going to actually help you to be healthy. If uh, you're a person that is just uh, all greedy and looking only into money and they're not very happy people, <laughs> they don't have very good friends because they're only thinking about money. And these are the people that actually get very sick. Or they end up with a heart attack or a cancer and so on. So at the end of the day, simplifying things, uh, trying to live as happily as possible and take the best and happiest experiences in life with you mm. for when you die. Do you believe, both of you, in 
also like a spiritual calm, um, unexplainable forces around us as well? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think both of us have been or oh, grown up being Catholics. <laughs> Kathy from her Irish heritage and myself from being Spanish. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's not about a one religion. I think it's about what you think there is something out there. And I, I really believe there is something out there, whether someone calls it God or Allah or Buddha. Or at the end of the day, I think it's just the same thing. And depending on where you've been born, you're going to call it one way or another. Um, but I, I definitely think there is something spiritual there, something out there that it, it give us a purpose to life and i think i think yeah the environment if i just from our property and the way we live and just the beautiful nature and everything that we have around us there's always that sense every day that something's looking over us isn't it mm. something something's guiding us something's protecting us letting us know things and yeah i think just yeah the environment plays a really a big, big part for me. The book I've just been reading lately was The Secret Life of Plants uh-huh. and how much plants actually communicate and really do talk to the human um, being that we are all one. And if you think about it, without without plants, there yeah. is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that machete on that I banana. was just about to say it. I know. <laughs> we've been talking about The Secret Life of Plants and when you were cutting the banana thing down for us, I'm like looking at the plant going... <gasps> Oh, it's a oh. bit machete. It's <laughs> chopping the whole thing down. We did have hunter gatherer, uh, Dr. Carlos, go out and hunt and gather our bananas and chop them down from the tree like an absolute legend. But I think the other part in the plant, though, in this book, though, was talking about that in fact plants like mm. to sacrifice themselves through their fruits yeah. because then they know you're going to go number twos. That's right. And like tomatoes. And then it comes back again. It comes back again, you yeah, see. You see. Propagate them. That's right. Except bananas don't have seeds, so what are we going to do there? Mm. Bananas. No, when you actually cut them, oh. they will grow suckers. Oh, is that what yes. happened? Yes, they were Because you were just like, I'm like going, That's we don't right. want that yeah. little thing so, there, Carlos. No, no. We don't need the whole no, tree. They'll grow. They'll, they'll then just they grow, will, will they? They will yeah. grow suckers. Yeah. Oh, they're clever. Okay. And I think quickly, Cindy, You're forgiven. Back to your, back to your question about us with our cabin and our Airbnb. I think, you know, I just think sitting here and thinking about it, we got that going and we put it on Airbnb because we just want people to experience what we experience every day, mm. you know, and if they mm. can only just come for a weekend, like my, re- you know, I have a visitor's book down there and people just talk about the birds and nature and the quietness and the jumping ants, the goanna, <laughs> the leeches, the snakes. No, and, I'm only kidding. And just, you know, <laughs> they, that real connection with nature that they get down there. And, and Carlos and I get that every day because of the way we've, mm. we live. So how do they find you? What would they look for if somebody's really keen to come to your um, if they place? Just, they, you just become like a member with Airbnb. So you go into Airbnb and you put in all your information and... Um, 
we're called Rainforest Cabin Sunshine Coast Queensland. Okay. So they could just purely put Good. that in and... It yeah. is such a beautiful walk down there. Oh, it's and, stunning. And I love the fact that you've had people stay there and make little things. Like there's there's yeah. like a, bill, what do you call the billy pot thing? The, yeah, the stove, I don't know what it was. The, <laughs> the hammock on the deck. There's the outdoor sweat hot box. shower. The sweat, sweat box. box. The, the composting <laughs> toilet. There's no electricity. So no electricity. We did no electricity. We, we've no done EMF that. down there. Yeah, no, but no, we've no done EMF. that for, you know, for a purpose mm. and... Actually, no Wi-Fi. You must have no Wi-Fi. I mean, no, no EMF here reception. at all. No reception. No, there's nothing. It's just, it, it's a beautiful amazing. way to drop out and, and probably to really connect in. And I often say this, sometimes you have to check out to check back in. Definitely. And I think that's what that really reminded me of down there was if you really wanted to, even 24 hours, I'd imagine, would be incredibly healing mm-hmm. down there. Um, so congratulations on that, and thank you. And and from the bottom of both our hearts and Karen's, look, we're just so grateful to have you in our lives. Mm. My brother has lost, I think, fifteen kilos because of you, Carlos. <laughs> After our dinner, we all had together in Sydney. Uh-huh. You said yeah. something okay, about the yeah. ketogenics. Yeah, yeah. And Aaron has followed the ketogenic diet wow. and has lost fifteen kilos. He looked okay. so hot on his wedding day. <laughs> just recently. Oh, she was yeah, the celebrant. Right. <laughs> she was the celebrant. That was yeah, that was so. a great dinner. I think yeah. that really opened his eyes. It did. Okay. Yeah. And it's it is the ripple effect, which is what these podcasts are about. Mm-hmm. So yeah. at last we've had you guys on the show and it's been such a treat. We didn't tell them they were coming on the podcast. <laughs> we said we're going for dinner. Shh, let's don't tell them we're going to interview them. <laughs> but, uh, but I think it's good to also know where to find Dr. Carlos. Um, you're at the Ubuki. Ubuki. Yeah, Ubuki. Ubuki. I-B-U-K-I. A um, medical centre yep. in Noosa. Noosa Heads. Noosa Heads. Yeah. So if people are keen to come and see you, they yeah. can find you yeah. that way. There's yeah. a website. Right. There's a website. Yes, yeah. Ibuki Health and Wellness Yeah, yeah. on Noosa Heads. Yeah. yeah. And it's not the 10-minute consultation, I can tell you that. No. <laughs> it goes, it, it's there, there, it like, it and looks, Kim's file, I love your file, Kim. Listen, listen, Linda. <laughs> hey, and if nothing else, just come to listen, listen to his accent. <laughs> That'll make you feel good. All right. So, look, thank you both very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's been a privilege. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as we have done bringing it to you. Remember to go to to all the website information, which is www.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Don't forget the wellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. Post your comments there, your feedback, anything you want to ask us around Carlos and Kathy, um, doctors and nurses, whatever it is you want to ask, you can go and ask in there. Please give us your feedback and remember to stay tuned and stay part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We'll see you in the next one. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.